And thanks for joining me, everyone. Charles Moskowitz, welcome to the show live Monday through Friday, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time here at YouTube and at subscribing platforms. My guest is Cheryl Chumley. She is the author of the new book, Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. Cheryl, I talked with you right at the beginning of the Trump administration and you were the best person to defend the administration that I had on. And that show has stayed with me for these four difficult years. Wow. And, when I, and when I say difficult, I don't mean difficult in terms of how our country's doing, which is fantastic, both here and around the world. I mean difficult in terms of the ugliness and the intensity of the assault and the irrationality of the assault against this president, both from the left and also from the insiders who uh, actually have tried to overthrow the administration in, in probably the first time such an event would occur in American history. So here we are now at the verge of an election, just two weeks away. We have finally made it this far. And, you know, I feel nervous. I mean, I, I wonder if what you're talking about here in your book, Socialists Don't Sleep, which is the history of the infiltration of the left into American culture and into the high ground of our society, our education system, our, even even our even our um, you know our, our businesses and um, and our churches, if if that might not have been successful to the degree that now you have people marching out and voting against Trump, even though he has been greatly successful, without knowing why, without being able to articulate why, but it's almost like they're brainwashed. And we're talking about tens of millions of people that might be in that condition, particularly young people. Well, it, it is alarming, and I do share your concerns, not just about this looming election, uh, mostly because I think the Democrats have been successfully pushing the mail-in and absentee ballots, which gives them a chance to do some deceptions at the ballot box, uh, which would ultimately lead to a crumbling of the Electoral College, which would be a disaster not just for conservative America, but for all of America who cares about our constitutional system. Uh, but really, my concerns are deeper than just this election because the, the main theme of Socialists Don't Sleep came to me a couple decades ago. It actually solidified under George Bush when he passed with Democrats a piece of legislation called the American Home down Payment Act or American Dream Down Payment Act. And you probably don't remember that little bit of legislation, but what it was, it was using tax dollars to encourage minority home ownership in America. And when Bush passed that with Democrats, I thought, how is that not socialism? And from there, I started paying attention to all the sneaky ways socialism has crept into our society. I would have written a book back then, but I was convinced uh, by my husband, actually, who told me the timing wasn't right because socialism was such a fearful word back then. Well, look at where we are now. We have open socialism in America, open socialists serving in public office. And that was just a few short years. So my deeper concern is if we don't learn to recognize the seeds of socialism, no matter who's in power, Republican or Democrat, our nation's doomed. Uh, I couldn't concur more and you do a great job of documenting that. Um, you, you have young people particularly who don't realize or don't understand 
the basic philosophical concept of this country, which is the rights come from the creator and not from the state. That's what's made us different. And uh, you know, you point to this legislation, which uh, tax dollars would go to help minorities own property. Sounds good on the surface, but the better approach would have been to the approach that President Trump takes, which is to reduce onerous regulation on business, which is to cut taxes so that people can keep more of that which they earn and which stimulates the economy, which is having trade policies that favor American labor and American industry over foreign dumping onto our soil and other measures of you know, energy independence, things that strengthen us so that, that all people can basically rise up to the level that they're able to do so. And to suggest that people of color, African-Americans can't do that is actually quite racist because they can and have in spite of left-wing racist policies that go back to the 1960s. So, you know, you talk about, I mean, I think we could point to a lot of events in our culture that have led to this situation today. We have people who are advocating socialism and, and, the, other philo and the philosophy that was the underpinning of both Hitler and Stalin. And one of the big culprits I see actually is Howard Zinn, who I had on my program and who authored a book called the People's History of the United States, which is the most anti-American socialistic piece of, of garbage that's out there. And yet it's almost like a gospel for, for American education and has totally infiltrated our, our, our public schools, even our high schools and our, our earlier, you know, there, there, are, there are now books for elementary school students based on that book. And, and I know people like this who have, they've come to believe the, this, these lies, you know, this, this terribly negative view that Columbus committed genocide, that America was built on slavery, that you know we, we're a white supremacist society, uh, you know that uh, you know that we, we're uh, you know that, that rich people you know was created so they could rip everybody else off, the the great Marxist conspiracy theory of exploitation, and, and all the rest of these poisonous ideas have become embedded in so many young people, including young people who generally might be slightly conservative. I agree with you. And uh, I guess I would point out that while there are many bad actors here, uh, Zinn being one of them, uh, George Soros, of course, is a favorite uh, villain. Uh, nowadays, you also have Saul Alinsky, let's not forget him. Nowadays, oh, yeah. you have Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci, you can point to, uh, but really, in my view, and I thought a great deal about this, the real fault lies with the Christian community right now because it was Judeo-Christian principles that laid the foundation of America. And one thing that you said a couple minutes ago, which I don't think can be harped on enough, the foundation that was laid for this country was that our rights come from God, not government. And that right there, if you have to sum up the theme of the greatness of America in just a short phrase, that's it. Individual rights uh, given by God, granted at birth, not given out or doled out by government. So once we move away from that system, what happens is the void that's created allows big government to come in. When the churches grow quiet, when the society moves more secular, that creates a bigger void for government to step in and fill the roles that should have been done by the Christian community by the believers in the world, by charitable organizations who, who give 
uh, based on their own free will and not because government takes. So in my view, the, the blame for where America is at right now, which is a tipping point, we're about to lose our freedoms and we're about to step wholeheartedly into socialism and collectivism. The blame for that comes from the Christian community, which has been too quiet uh, for too long. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we uh, you know, it was, it was John Adams who noted that uh, the Constitution can only survive if, if it is supported by a, a holy religious people, a people who believe in, in a creator of the universe that is outside of their control, that can't be manipulated by biased people who are, are attempting to control society and the rest of us in the name of some kind of a hazy enlightenment. And... Uh, that has taken hold, unfortunately, in the Christian churches, certainly in Judaism. Um, and and the, it's to our great detriment. They have forgotten God. They have forgotten their raison d'etre. They now look at, upon, look at it as some kind of a collective cultural phenomenon. I mean, there is a cultural element to it, but why have a culture under faith? They can have a culture under something else. What is the purpose of faith? People don't understand that now including ministers who have themselves grown up in this education system that my great friend, the late Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld used to talk about with me all the time on, you know, in my podcasts and radio shows. And that is that they've been dumbed down by the uh, so-called frontier thinkers going way the, all the way back to the 1920s where they've removed God from education. They've removed prayer. Everything is basically a worship of the Hegelian state. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you talk about the dumbing down of the nation. And in my research for this book, I found that it's not just anecdotal evidence that teachers are failing to teach proper civics, proper history. It's not just a trend. It's a purposeful uh, intent of the Democrat Socialists of America to infiltrate the schools and bring in a type of teaching that trains the next generation. America is inherently racist. Capitalism is bad. The founding fathers were evil. And we need a new system called socialism or progressivism or even Marxism. It's all one and the same because it leads to the same road. And this isn't done by accident. This isn't done just uh, as, a, as a new trend in education. If you go to the Democrat Socialist America website, you will see that they purposely push this type of agenda into the school systems. And more than that, they actively recruit members of their socialist circle to go into teaching because it's job security for them, but it gives the teachers, the socialist teachers, a long-term means of polluting the next generation's mind with all this socialist crap. And this is what's actively taking place in our public school system. Your teachers may be smiling, they may be nice, they may profess concern for America and for your children, but there are quite a few of them, way too many of them, who are active participants in the socialist agenda. And they're using the children in the school systems to bring a long-term end to America's constitutional system. I think that the, in a way, the more insidious element to this is that many, if not most of these teachers who are promoting this agenda are not even conscious of it. They themselves were brought up in it. They imbibed it at a young age. The thing about socialism is that it is all about power 
And when you have that kind of power, you wield it in a way that subtly passes on a message that if you bow to it, if you genuflect to it at a young age, then you'll get rewards. You know, you'll get to be accepted socially. You'll get to go to the fun parties. You know, you'll get to have nice dates. You'll get to be invited. The doors open. Whereas if you challenge it, you're going to be held up in, in a virtual auto da fe. You're going to be publicly humiliated and vilified, and you're going to lose these benefits. You're going to hurt your career. You're going to hurt your reputation. And there's nothing more valuable than a person's reputation. They will call you horrible names. And I think that people at a young age, they, they get with it because it's the easier way to go. You know, it's normal and natural. And I get that. I mean, it's, you don't want to, you want to go the path of least resistance. And so they get on the train and they stay on the train and they no longer question it. And this is the way they live their entire life. There's no looking within, there's no belief in, in a creator, even if they may think they do. And, um, you know, those are the people that are now teaching our children. And they're doing it, I think, with well-meaning. They don't understand what, what, what they're doing. They don't know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. I mean, certainly a core of them are fully conscious, people like George Soros. But your average teacher has no idea w what they're about and, and, and what they're pushing. And they wouldn't dare challenge it in their own mind because they stopped doing so, you know, probably a lot, you know, decades ago. Well, socialism is sold on such soft and fuzzy and warm and fuzzy feeling uh, phrases. You know, it's social justice, it's equality for all, and it's tolerance for all, and don't you want to help your neighbor, that kind of thing. And capitalism is sold as selfish and greedy, and uh, it, it leaves people out of the picture. But really, this country was founded on the idea of rugged individualism, right? You, you take the seeds that God has given you at birth, the talents that he's put in each and every individual, and you grow them. You grow them as far and wide as you can, and that's what's great about America. America doesn't cap your ability to grow and produce and create. But socialism comes along and says, well, you know, uh, student A doesn't have the exact same talents as student B, so it's not fair for student A. So we need to make everybody equal. We need to make everybody have the same amount, the same potential for growth and productivity. And if teachers get away with that kind of message and they are allowed to implant that in the minds of the students they have in their charge, what happens is the upcoming generation doesn't just have a political difference. They have a whole mind and heart and soul difference with what America was founded upon. And that's a lasting change that's going to be difficult to fight because if you argue against it, as you pointed out, you're vilified, but it's not just a political difference. It's a human difference. You are evil if you don't support this way of life, if you don't support helping your neighbor, if you don't support everybody being equal, then you are the wrong one, you are evil. And really it's flipped because what says, you know, love for humanity more than a capitalistic free system that allows everybody the potential to reach what God put in them to reach on their own without having government interfere and dictate who the winners are versus who the losers are. It's also, it's, it's part of human nature to help other people. I mean, it's, it's, sort of, it's something that we want to do as part of who we are. We don't need the government to come in and 
in the name of the people do do what they do, which is hurt everybody. You know, I mean, when you, uh, they're appealing to the darker side of our nature. They're saying, look at the person down the street that has more than you have. That's not fair. Why? They don't explain just because they have it. You know, the guy down the street has a better car than you have. He has a better house than you have. And it's appeal to your envy and your, your sense of greed that you don't want that person to have more than you have because it bothers you. It makes you maybe look at your own inadequacies. It raises jealousy. So the government says, well, we're going to take it away from them and maybe we'll give you a little bit or at least we're going to stop them from having it so you can feel better. And that appeals to that darker side of our nature. That is what this is about. It's an appeal to, it's a marketing campaign that appeals to the worst side of human nature and legitimizes that side and actually holds it up as a virtue. And uh, when in fact, the fact that the, your neighbor has more than you in the bigger picture is good because it raises everybody. You know, it's a, you know if, if they earned it and if they, did, if they did something deceptive or, or illegal, then we have a system of justice that deals with that individual. Uh, but they want to condemn all people who have more while they themselves concentrate more power into their own hands. And that's what this ultimately comes down to. It's power. It's wresting power away from God and God's creation and putting it into their own secular hands where they think they can know better than you, do better than you, and recreate a new kind of a humanity. They seek to create a one world ant colony. Now, uh, Cheryl, I want to bring it up to the election because that's only happening in two weeks. Um, you've covered this, this very carefully. I think that Donald Trump will win it, but I think that the, the forces that are arrayed against him are so severe and are so determined, they'll crawl over broken glass to stop Trump and have tried to literally remove him from office that who knows what they're going to do. I mean, I think that the game plan right now is to further hype the pandemic beyond what it is and terrify people with false stories and to cheat by using these uh, the extra counting of ballots. And unfortunately, they have an ally in that effort, the traitorous and completely compromised and probably blackmailed uh, chief of the US Supreme Court, that being John Roberts, who has now given a green light to recounting votes in Pennsylvania after election day, and apparently now in North Carolina, two swing states. And so that tells me that they're gonna just keep counting and keep counting and keep counting until they get what they want. And um, I think that's the game plan. I think that they know that if they do a straight election, they'll lose already. The early vote is trending. You know, it's not going their way. I mean, they, they were hoping to get a big early vote. They're not They're I think they're a little ahead, but not by much and not by enough. So what do you think they're going to do to stop Trump in these final weeks? Well, I, I think you're right in pointing out that the election counts, the uh, the battle over the counting of the ballots is how the Democrats see a win to the White House because Joe Biden, I mean, he, he's below subpar as a candidate and Kamala Harris does not have uh, the steam behind her, the support no. system to overcome Joe Biden's weaknesses. Uh, if by some miraculous chance Joe Biden were to win fairly this election, I think this country is in a free fall downfall because it's just globalist 
uh, run roughshod over the White House. But I think Trump's on an easy win to the White House. And that's why the Democrats have months ago now put their attorneys in place to prepare to contest any ballots uh, that they can. And uh, of course, Trump's team has prepared to fight back. So there is that. The, the optimism here is that Trump is not shy from fighting. As a matter of fact, he, he revels in it. And he it's when he's at his best. People may hate his Twitter feed. Some conservatives even may hate his Twitter feed. But for a lot of us out there, myself included, it's refreshing oh, it's to hilarious. see a Republican yeah. leader just take it to the media, take it to the leftists, and not back down. He beats them at their own game. That's why Nancy Pelosi is so silent uh, lately. He beats her constantly. So I, I think Team Trump is ready for the election ballot uh, battle, but uh, that is the only way that the Democrats could win, I think, uh, this time around. Plus there's the very blatant uh, censorship going on by these thugs over at uh, Facebook and um, the other big tech giants. And I mean, I say that reluctantly because here we are on my show at YouTube and on all of my platforms. And by the way, I should note to my listeners that if, if, YouTube, if my YouTube station is taken down, you can get the show on, on iHeart.com. You could get it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, just go to my website, charlesmoskowitz.com, and you'll see all the stations that carry the show and uh, that uh, they get the show from, through Podomatic, which I pay for. It's a subscription. So it's not so easy to take that down. Um, and I have them all stored on the website. So, you know, I, I would expect that, uh, you know, I could very easily wake up one day, turn on the station and find that it's been taken down. That's what's happened to a lot of people that uh, you have... Um, the shadow banning even of big players like Breitbart, even the president is now being shadow banned on, on Twitter. Uh, you know, Secretary Kayleigh McEnany was taken down because she mentioned this story in the Washington Post about Biden to influence peddling and kickbacks. Uh, so the censorship is intense. And I think that they're, they're kind of depending on that. I think it could backfire, but uh, do you think that's gonna play a role for them? Well, I definitely think the leftists in the social media and, and search engine giants are actively supporting Joe Biden and seeking to ding Donald Trump any way he can. And not just Donald Trump, but anyone with a conservative sure. viewpoint out there that supports Donald Trump. Uh, myself, right as my book was going to press in September, I had tens of thousands of connections and followers on LinkedIn, and I was booted. And the reason given to me was that there were a couple of my posts, my opinion pieces that I do at the Washington Times, which are always fact-based and cite uh, news sources. They did not appreciate my coronavirus views, which pointed out the disparities in figures and, and the unscientific science and the skewing of the, the case counts and all that. So I've been booted myself. And this is something that social media has been doing in, in you know, dribs and drabs over the years, but now it, it seems like the, the floodgates have been open. And when they can block the president of the United States, uh, his Twitter feed, when they can lock it, when they can go after his press secretary, you know that there's a problem in social media. They have become emboldened by their arrogance. They have, and yet they're so powerful now 
that even the Republicans are afraid to take them on. I mean, they, there was big talk about having Jack Dorsey and uh, the guy from Google come to testify in Congress this week, and now that's been canceled. You know, they, uh, they don't, the Republicans don't want to be, uh, these people have such a, a stranglehold on the means of communication, which is the definition of socialism, by the way, public ownership of the means of communication. I mean, they are de facto controlling the means of communication. If you want to do anything online, they control something like 95, 98% of your ability to do that. So it's a very, very dangerous situation. And uh, it's not challenged by a left, obviously, that used to believe in free speech, but did so situationally, because now those same people are the ones who are exercising control over free speech. So they have no problem with censorship. And now the Department of Justice has weighed in though and filed an anti-trust lawsuit against Google. So we will see what comes of that. I have mixed feelings about the government uh, capping any kind of free market business and saying that you're too big to grow, you don't allow competition in. Um, That's a long running distaste that I've had with the whole idea of monopoly. Right. Because it, it just seems that in a capitalistic system, you kind of want the monopoly that shows success. So I do have that distaste. I would much rather have seen, say, Bing come in and, and file some sort of lawsuit against Google, alleging with fact-based uh, research that they were uh, purposely kept out of competing in, in, the, uh, in the search engine market. But you know, it is what it is. And the Department of Justice is now shining some more light on some of this uh, social media and and big tech censorship that goes forward. So it will be interesting to see where that suit leads. Right. And I understand, you know, the distaste there, but the problem is that the social media is getting all these exemptions for uh, an alleged um, venue for free speech, when in fact, they're acting like a, uh, an editorial company like a newspaper in which case they can be sued and they can be challenged if they engage in false practices and also the whole concept philosophically of unfettered unbridled capitalism is i would suggest actually as false as the concept of of communism you know capitalism really needs to coexist with moral standards that are and 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 a concept of subsidiarity, which actually was first patented by the by the Catholic Church and goes back to Roman times, where you have local governments, where uh, where, where the power resides, best expressing the will of the people of that region, and, and they express that will through elected officials. So you know, capitalism has checks and balances, and. You know, you you, sh- you need to have uh, a certain amount of moral authority, if you will, a Christian authority, uh, to to check its excesses, a- as well as uh, the interests of local governments. I mean, your right to ownership of property doesn't mean you have a right to put a garbage dump in your backyard. You know, your your right has to coincide with and be consonant with the rights of everyone else's right to have property. So, you know, we have in this country philosophically a system of checks and balances. And that's not just in government, that's in life. It, it transcends in government. It, it's in all aspects of our lives, both personally and in terms of uh, you know, public, in the public sphere, in the political sphere. So in that sense, I think we have every right to expect 
that these monopolies or these monopolistic entities, which do, you know, kind of seem to at least informally collude with each other, that they be busted up and that you have competition. I, I do agree with what you're saying about morals are supposed to guide all aspects of of American life, it, you know, the founders knew that the Democrat Republic would only Democratic Republic would only survive and thrive with a moral, virtuous, virtuous people. And so, thus, the Judeo-Christian principles, thus, the idea of rights coming from God, not government, and, and so forth. But at the same time, there's there's a side of me that hates the idea of government limiting uh, a free market company from growth particularly when I see that conservatives have fallen flat on the big tech uh, growth themselves. It would have been preferable if 10 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, when Al Gore was inventing the internet, that there could have been a conservative, and I say that in jokingly, mm -hmm. of course, right. that there could have been conservative pushes against, uh, uh, against the leftist takeover of big tech. To me, that's the way, it, it, the preferable way it should have occurred. There should have been just as many conservatives developing these social media outlets and big tech markets as there are leftists. You know, you can't roll back time. And here we are with, as you rightly point out, the censorship is real. And these tech companies are acting more like news gathering organizations. And, and in that case, they're clamping uh, particularly mine in the news, my, my right, uh, you know, for freedom of speech and all Americans' right to digest news as they choose, as they as they select. But it, it's a it's a slippery slope to me. That's all I'm saying, and it's just going to be interesting to see what develops. Absolutely. So, uh, Cheryl Chumley, um, let my listeners and viewers know where they can get your book. Please talk a little bit about it again, and um, I really appreciate you coming on with me today. Thank you. And you can get my book on Amazon, on CherylChumley.com, um, even at Target, wherever books are sold, Barnes and Noble. And uh, again, the book is basically a reset. It, it's a reset of how we look at America. And it's an eye-opening glance at how we have allowed socialism to creep into so many facets of our American life. And we've accepted it. So on the flip side, it also tells how to fight that and bring back the limited government where rights come from God, not government, uh, the system that we want in place in America going forward. All right, Cheryl Chumley, listen, I wanna thank you for joining me today. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. Maybe we'll have a, a congratulatory, God willing, uh, talk after the election. Sounds great. All right.